Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'd like you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Second Samuel. The book of Second Samuel, and we're going to start reading from chapter 6 and verse 1. And there's something very interesting that happens here. There's a story that, that goes behind this. And basically, you, you're familiar that when God led the people out of Egypt, He led them into the wilderness, and there He established with them a pattern of worship. They built the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. They built the Ark of the Covenant. And who can tell me what is significant about the Ark of the Covenant? Yes, it was gold. It was gold on the outside, had cherubs on the top of it. But what else? What was significant about it? In between the presents, uh, in between the, 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 the cherubim, was something called the mercy seat. And that is where God would come and literally, tangibly presence Himself among His people. And we see, as David comes to be king, you know, Israel had been plundered, that things had been taken captivity, the Ark of the Covenant was, was not where it should have been, and David built a tabernacle for it in Jerusalem and wanted to bring the presence of God back into Jerusalem. We wanted to bring the presence of God to Jerusalem. And so we, we kind of, the, the Philistines were defeated in certain regions, and this is where we're plugging into the story, just to try and give you some, some context of where this Chapter 6, verse 1. And it says this, Again David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, brand new cart. They made a special cart for this thing, for the ark, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Pause for a moment. So we can see that there was great care taken here. They made a special cart just for this thing. You know, they made a big deal out of this. This was a, a, a huge occasion. They went before the ark, they ushered it, so on. Then David and all, the house of Camp, uh, and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, on harps of stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled." Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, or another word would be his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day. Let's pause for a moment. So here again we see the ark coming out, and oxen stumbling, the cart doing a bit of a wobble, 
Uzzah, wanting to do a good thing, right? He sticks out his hand to steady the ark, and what happens? Boom! Dead. For his irreverence. Why? Because there was a set pattern and a set way that things had to be done, and nobody, not just anybody, could touch the ark. In fact, the presence of God, even in the tabernacle, even in its rightful place, even in the Holy of Holies, once a year, only once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to make atonement, for the, to represent the, the people of Israel, make atonement before God for them, and, 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 and he would then there go and represent God to the people. And when the high priest went in, he had a special garment and a special robe, and I won't go into all the details of that, but two things are quite significant. On the bottom of his robe were bells, so that they could hear him moving around inside there. Only the high priest was allowed to go in, so that they could hear him moving aside there. If the bells stopped ringing, the second interesting piece would, would come into play. They would have a rope tied around his ankle. Because if the bells stopped ringing, that means that he had died in the presence of God, and they could pull him out because nobody else could go in there. That is how awesome the presence of God is and was. That is the, and so we see this Ark of the Covenant coming in. It's not just some mamby-pamby thing. He reached down and touched it, and the presence of God struck him because it was there. It was not something that was allowed. Let's carry on reading. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the Ark of the Lord come to me? So we see here a question being asked. So if this is not the acceptable way, something clearly is going wrong here, how can this be done? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him to the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. There's a few lessons we can extract here that I don't want to spend too much time on, but a few points that are really interesting. David had a heart after God. He had a, he's known as a man with a heart after God. He, want, he, he had a passion for the presence of God and to get the ark back into its rightful place so that the presence, the dwelling place of God could be in Israel, could be in Jerusalem. But the problem is he set out pursuing the presence of God on his own terms. He did well to try and make a new ark. I mean, it was his best efforts. He wasn't nonchalant about the whole exercise, but he didn't follow the right passage or the right procedure. There's a, a note on the scripture in, in the Spiritful Life Bible in the, in the comments at the bottom which says something really interesting. It says, because the ark of God was not being handled according to God's directions, when difficulties arose that when difficulties arose, there was no acceptable way of dealing with them. I think some of us sometimes in our pursuit of God, wanting to do things on our own terms, so I want to pursue God, but I want to pursue God this way, we sometimes end up getting ourselves into trouble, into situations that cost us something, because there's no suitable way of dealing with that situation, because we shouldn't have found ourselves in that situation in the first place. 
So knowing the right way to pursue God is also really important. Knowing what God's Word says about how we come into His presence. How Now, we're not under law anymore, but there are still principles contained within God's Word that align us and, and order our worship and our pursuit of God in such a way that His blessing and revelation knowledge flows. The second thing we see is that David learned the acceptable way of carrying the presence of God. Because originally... He was struck down. I keep going in and out, don't I? Should I use the other one? All right, I'll just switch this off there. The second thing we learn is that David learned the acceptable way of carrying the presence of God. The right way, by the way, when they built the ark, they built rings around the, on, on either side of it, and wooden beams, wooden poles had to be put through those rings, and the ark would then be carried on the shoulders of the priests. They were the only ones who were allowed to do it. And I find it very interesting to see that even in the old covenant, even under law, even before God began to live in the, in the lives or the hearts of His people, the presence of God was only to be carried by people and never by things. Isn't that very interesting? God's presence is with His people. God's love is with His people. His heart is with His people. And number three, we see that there was great rejoicing when the Ark of the Covenant came into Jerusalem. There is, however, one portion of this message, of this, of this portion of Scripture that we just read, that I really want to focus on this morning. And that's verses 10 to 11. You could carry on to 12 if you want to. That speaks about something that happened in the home of Obed-Edom. I'll read it again from verse 10. So David would not move the Ark of the Lord with him to the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and all his household. And then we see in verse 12, It was told to King David that the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark. Now that's very interesting. There was something notable that happened. There was something that there was a clear and a definite change that took place in the home and in the household of Obed-Edom. The blessing of God was tangible. It could be seen. And people looking at the man saw how because of the presence of God, everything about that man's household was blessed. I want to say that again. Because of the presence of God, everything in that man's household was blessed. When the presence of God shows up, two things happen. Number one, that which is out of order gets dealt with. That which is out of order must come into order. Why? Because light always exposes darkness. When the presence of God comes into a situation, when the presence of God comes into your heart, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes into your heart and He sets things in order. He sets things in the order of righteousness so that we are then in right standing with God. Amen? That's the first thing that happens when we come into the presence of God. He sets things in order. And the second thing that happens is blessing flows. You could say that the blessing and the presence of God are synonymous. Because where the blessing of God is there, the presence of God is. You cannot have the blessing of God devoid of the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, blessing flows. Now, blessing has many manifestations. Blessing is deliverance. Blessing is healing. Blessing is provision. Blessing is peace. Blessing looks like many things. So if we just 
nail this down to one or two things, we miss the point of this whole thing. I don't believe that Obed-Edom's just how, suddenly he had a massive harvest and suddenly it was all financial. I believe that's a part of the blessing of God, so don't get me wrong. I believe prosperity is a part of what God brought to us so that we can be prosperous in all things. Prosperous in life, prosperous in relationships. But what's really interesting here, folks, is God's presence in the ark was there, and people saw that in three months, blessing was all over this guy. So clearly there were things in his life that weren't quite working out, where suddenly now there was blessing. There was, it was flowing. Things were working as they should have. When you look back to the Garden of Eden and God created Adam and Eve, and He placed them where? In the garden, in His presence. And everything that they did flowed from a place of blessing. When, before God even commissioned Adam, He blessed him. Adam didn't have to work and strive and then experience the blessing of God. Adam lived life from a place of blessing. Why? Because the presence of God was on him, was with him. It was everywhere he went. But you see, the blessing of God cannot function in an environment that is not subject to it. Blessing, would you believe it, is something that needs to be submitted to. Give you an example. Here, here, I want to bless you with the Bible. Can I bless you with the Bible? Are you sure? Why not? But I want to bless you with the Bible. You see, he has to submit to the blessing. Now, submit to the blessing. I want to bless you with the Bible. You're very welcome. Do you understand the principle? It's very, it's, it's very simple. Very simple. But blessing or the presence of God is something that needs to be submitted to. And it cannot flow in an environment that is not in subjection to it. However, when there is divine order, the blessing of God flows. It flows naturally. The Spirit of God is constantly working with us to try and lead us into divine order. What do I mean by divine order? To establish our lives according to the patterns of God's will and God's ways. To establish our lives and the way we do life according to the truth of the Word of God and to the truth of who God is according to love, according to righteousness, according to holiness, according to patience and peace and all the fruit of the various, all the, all of the various spirit, all the various fruit of the spirit, before I get into some serious heresy. So do you understand what I'm saying? When God begins to bring our lives and our thinking in order with the truth, blessing flows. Blessing flows. It is a natural result. He's constantly working with us to bring divine order in our lives so that the blessing can flow. Pastor Andreas ministered last week on extending the influence of the kingdom. You remember that? And he mentioned that I would teach, give some teachings on how to practically do this. How do we extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families, you know, wherever it is that we have influence with people? We need to first, in order to start breaking this down, understand what kingdom means. Now, I'm not changing tack on my message here because we're going to come back to the same thing about blessing. Remember what I'm talking about. The theme of this, whole, this morning's message is where the presence of God is, blessing flows. When the presence of God is, there is a notable difference. We see something tangibly different. 
To understand the influence of the kingdom, we need to understand what kingdom means. We understand the word is made up of two words, the word king, which means sovereign ruler, and the word dom, for domain. It's a domain over which the sovereign ruler has influence and it can express himself, makes declarations and things happen. But the kingdom of God is more than just a positional thing. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I belong to the kingdom of God, this, this group of people. It's more than that because without experience, the kingdom of God means very little. The kingdom of God must always have an outworking to it. There is a manifestation of the kingdom. When Jesus walked the earth, he used phrases like this. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's here. It's now. Why? Because the the, the work of the king was being done. The, 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 the captives were being set free. The sick were being healed. The blind were receiving their sight. The, day, the, the dead were... <laughs> I was thinking about the lame and the dead, and I ended up talking about the dame. The lame are walking. The dead are rising up. The kingdom of God is in manifestation. The kingdom of God is in the manifestation of the rule of the king. Does that make sense? So it's not just... A theory out there. It's something that takes place. When Jesus comes into your heart, when you receive revelation knowledge about something, that is a manifestation of the rulership of the king in your heart and in your life. When God heals you, when God moves on your behalf, these are manifestations of the kingdom. It's not an abstract truth, but it is vital. In other words, it is living. It can be seen. It can be experienced. And you could quite easily substitute that for the word blessing. The kingdom of God has come. Blessing has come. Why? Because the presence of God is there. The kingdom rule and reign of God is linked to His presence. They are not separate. Amen? For, for me to... Come here again, Siobhan. For me to lead Siobhan, literally lead him, I need to be present with him. Do you understand? I, can't, I need to be in a, in, in, a, in a relational position where I can at least give him instruction. Siobhan, forward, walk. Walk, walk, left, walk, keep going, God bless you, see you next week. <laughs> for, for my rulership to manifest itself in his life, there needs to be something, it, 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 it cannot be passive. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Are you with me, church? Amen? I don't want to labor the point, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm getting through. We need to realize that in order for the kingdom of God to manifest itself in our lives, well, let me put it this way, the manifestation of the kingdom of God in our lives is, is linked to our perception of our identity in Jesus Christ. It is realizing that the presence of God is within us. It is realizing who Jesus has made us to be. It is realizing that His presence is here so that I am open to His leading. It is identifying with the fact that I am not estranged from God, but I, there is an intimacy of relationship with Him. Once that comes into order, my relationship with God, my identity in Christ Jesus, which opens up my heart to Him, guess what starts happening? Blessing flows. Because where there is divine order, blessing flows. Amen? Suddenly, my attitude changes. My perception of people and things and circumstances around me 
changes because they begin to align themselves and come into order with the way God sees them and the way God thinks about them. Let me ask you something. Is the blessing of God clearly evident in your marriage? Is the blessing of God clearly evident in your workplace? Are people looking at you and taking note and saying, I can see the blessing of God there? If not, then what's the problem? Clearly something needs to come into order so that that blessing can flow. Now, it may be sin that you've got to deal with, but it also may be just a change of thought. Two, three weeks ago, I think it was, Pastor Andreas ministered on the subject of realignment. Sometimes for God to transition us or to take us to the next level, sometimes for God to move us into where He wants us to be, higher levels of reception, higher levels of influence, He needs to reposition us. Sometimes that repositioning is geographical. Most of the time, that repositioning is a change of the heart. It is a change of the way I think about something or someone or a situation. And as soon as my thinking begins lining up with God's thinking, what happens? It's not a trick question. You've got the answer. Blessing flows. The presence of God, it gets to work. The kingdom of God finds manifestation. And people can see the difference. People can see the difference. That's incredible. The place we must begin if we want to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God in our spheres of influence is to get rightly and deeply acquainted with the presence of God that dwells within us. Paul had a lot to say about this in his letters. 2 Corinthians 3.16, he says... Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? He says it again in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The wording there is important. He uses the word temple deliberately. Why? Because in the minds of the people he is writing to, the temple is the place where God's presence abides. Amen? And when God says, when Paul writes to them and he says, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, what is he saying? That the presence of God is now abiding in you. What does that mean? You are empowered for blessing. And those around you are going to bear the fruit of that. Amen? You see, the whole purpose of this blessing is not just so that you can be blessed, but so that you can be an influence of the kingdom of God in your sphere of influence. When Jesus walked this earth, what, what was the hallmark? Everywhere he went, they could see something different about him. When he preached, people looked and they said, we've never heard somebody speak with this kind of authority. Wherever he went, demons were being cast out. People were, were being set free from demonic bonds. People were being healed. People's lives were being turned around and changed. Why? Because the presence of God on him, with him, released such a blessing on his life that it flowed out and touched everyone around him everywhere he went. Isn't that incredible? Have you and I received a different spirit somehow? Have you and I received a different anointing? No, we've received the same Spirit from God. 
The same presence of God dwells within us that dwelled within Jesus. What we need to do is awaken to the realization of the fact that God dwells within us. We are carriers of the presence and the blessing of God. Repeat after me. The blessing of God dwells richly in me. Because the presence of God dwells richly in me. Do you believe it? This is the purpose and the product of our righteousness in Jesus Christ. So that God's very presence could be with us. From the very beginning, God has longed for intimacy with His people. Why did He create man? For intimacy. That's it. That's it, folks. God's greatest yearning, the great deepest yearning of God's heart is you and me. And so God creates mankind and He presences Himself with them in the garden. And it breaks His heart when He has to put them out. What did He put them out of? His presence. And then He made a way for atonement to take place so that He could at least presence Himself once again amongst His people. And he could say, I will be your God and you will be my people. And we fast forward a few thousand years just because we can. And we see Jesus Christ coming in the, the, the manifestation of God himself. God incarnate comes to presence himself with his people. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other faith and every other religion that is out there. Our God longs for intimacy with us. So much so that he reaches down to us to bring that intimacy to us. There are times when I'm sitting in my living room and I call for my daughter to come to me. That's most of the time. But there are other times when she's busy in her room and I just want to be with her. So I'll get up from the living room and I'll go sit in her room with her and do whatever it is that she's doing. Coloring in or whatever the case may be. Why? Because I long to be with her. And Jesus made a way because of his death, his resurrection, for that very presence of God to be with you and I every single day. Here's the question, folks. How aware are we of that when we wake up in the morning? How aware of that presence are we when we drive to work in the morning? How aware are we of that presence at work during the day as we go about our rituals? How aware are we of that presence when we come home in the evening and we spend time with our families, when we're watching the game, when we're out with our friends, when we're dealing with difficult situations, when we feel overwhelmed, when things are tense at home? How aware are we of that presence of God? You see, for the blessing of God to flow in any one of those situations, we need to begin learning how to submit to that presence, submit to that blessing. So that it can begin transforming our hearts and lives. So that they line up with the way God sees these things around us. So that we become the very conduits through which that peace, that blessing, that change takes place. This world is crying out for the blessing of God, folks. Romans 8, 19 says, The earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. That includes daughters, by the way. If you have hang-ups with being called sons, please take it easy. For all eternity, us men are going to be called the bride of Christ, okay? So you can endure just a few years, please. All creation, creation itself, 
created in the presence and by the presence of God. God spoke, the world came into being, and the presence of God, the Spirit of God, hovered around it. And it was there. It was created by the presence of God, in the presence of God, for the presence of God to exist and in that perpetual state of blessing. And what happens? Sin enters in, messes up the whole thing. And since that time, the earth has been groaning out. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to put things back in order so that the blessing and the presence of God can find its expression again. We are called to bring things into order because God is a God of order. Amen? Romans 8 verse 14 tells us who these sons are. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. It's very interesting. Those who are able to bring order and blessing are those who have learned how to submit to it. I want to say that again. Those who are able to bring restoration, order, and blessing into this world, into their environments, are those who have learned to submit to it. They've learned to submit to the presence of God. They've learned to submit to the blessing of God. They experience it in their own lives and therefore naturally become outworkers of that in their sphere of influence. They are the ones who are rightly and deeply acquainted with the presence of God that dwells within. They are fully submitted to that presence. They are able to be led by the presence of God because they're cognizant of His presence and they're submitted to it. Their lives are in order. The blessing of God is evident on their lives. The fragrance of heaven flows through them. Pastor Andreas spoke last week about heavenly cologne. Do you remember? Where you go, you carry a fragrance. What is the fragrance you're carrying? Those who have learned to submit to the Spirit's leading carry the very fragrance of heaven wherever they go. They are influencers of good. They bring light. They bring hope. They bring encouragement. In the same way that the Ark of the Covenant, carrying the presence of God, brought blessing to the home of Abedidim, so the sons and daughters of God, carrying the presence of God, bring blessing wherever they go. You are the Ark of God's Covenant. You are His temple. And the truth is, as kingdom representatives, in the same way that the Ark of Covenant brought blessing to the environment that it was found in, so you too are called to bring blessing to the environment you're found in. This is how we extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God. There's practical ways of doing it. There's outworkings. I'm sure there's strategies and formulas, and you, we can take this to the nth. But the basic principle remains the same. What Colossians 1, 27, To them... Who's that? That's you and me. To them, believers, God will to make known what are the riches of, his, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 and 7 says it this way. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not in us. We see that there is something within us, in our frailty, in our jadedness, in our deception, in our misunderstanding, sometimes in our carnality. There is this presence within that is longing for us to line ourselves up with it. That our whole lives will be brought into an order where blessing can flow. 
How aware are you of the presence of God in your life? It's interesting. 2 Samuel 6 verse 9, when, the, when, when Uzzah touched the ark and he fell down dead, the, the scripture says David was afraid of God that day. David was afraid of God that day. He realized that the presence of God was around and that the status quo, the way he was going, it couldn't continue in that way. Sometimes, folks, we hit, we hit points in our lives where we realize we can't keep going this way. Something's going to change. We are going to have to increase our capacity to receive fresh revelation, fresh insight, so that we have an increased capacity for fresh blessing and fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. Two more scriptures as I close. Paul articulated this revelation so well in, in the book of Galatians. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is he articulating there? He is, he is articulating the inner attitude of submission to the presence of God within. He's saying, I no longer live. I no longer make my own decisions. I no longer decide where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. I, I am led by the Spirit of God. My ear is attentive to His instruction. His prayer was the same. That was, his prayer was that the same revelation would flood the hearts of the Galatians. Galatians 4.19, he carries on to say, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Until everything in your life begins to look like the epitome of blessing, the epitome of the presence of God, the epitome of the person of Jesus Christ. Why is this, was this so important to him? Because when Christ is formed in us, our lives come into order and the blessing of God flows. It brings change and it ushers in the kingdom of God wherever we go. What is the Spirit of the Lord saying to you this morning? Are you aware that within you dwells the fullness and the richness of God and all His power and all His blessing if you are a believer? What kind of potential does that place at our disposal to bring change and to bring influence for God's kingdom as His ambassadors in our spheres of influence? What area of your life is God speaking to you about, bringing order into? How do you know He's speaking to you? Well, are you seeing blessing of God in an area of your life? There's no blessing of God. Something needs to change. Chances are, nine times out of ten, my experience is this. When I'm, when I'm not experiencing the blessing or the peace and the flow of God's presence and His anointing in what I'm doing, nine times out of ten, it's my attitude that's wrong. It's not the situation I'm in. It's my attitude towards the situation. So as we start talking about, as we have been talking about enlarging our capacity to receive from God, what we've really been talking also about is enlarging our ability to hear His voice and our cognizance of His presence within so that we can hear what He's saying to us and align our hearts according to His instructions so that His blessing can flow. I repeated the same thing so many times this morning. It's a very simple principle, isn't it? Amen? It's a very simple principle, but it's something that we tend to lose sight of, don't we? 
Is it just me? We tend to lose sight of the fact that God is with us everywhere we go. That He's giving us instructions every moment of every day. Not in terms of commands, but just that His presence is there to lead us and guide us. Usher us by His presence, by His goodness. Would you stand with me? Father, we want to thank you this morning that your word says that wherever two or more are gathered together in your name, that there your presence is in the midst of them. And we want to thank you that we have done exactly that this morning, and we know that your presence is here with us. It's true, your presence goes everywhere with us, Father. You never leave us nor forsake us. But we want to thank you just for the awareness that we have right now of your presence here with us. I want to thank you, Father God, that you have created and designed us to function within the sphere of your presence and your blessing. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have restored us to that place through your Son, Jesus Christ, where we no longer need to strive for your blessing. We simply need to submit to it. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are living in an age where we don't need to perform a ritual to come into your presence, where your presence is not some distant thing, but that you are abiding with us right now in our hearts. We are never again to be separated from you, the source of life. And we thank you for that this morning, Father. Lord, would you forgive us where we get so distracted and so busy doing all kinds of things, sometimes even good things, sometimes even things for you to worship you and to bless you, but not according to your pattern and your precept, for we've not heard your voice. Forgive us where we've become lazy or indifferent to the sound of your voice, to the unction of your spirit, because we've not lended our ear to you at all. Forgive us, Lord, where we have allow the distractions of this world, the cares for other things, the deceitfulness of riches to enter in and draw our hearts away from that place of tenderness where we'll be able to hear your voice and be led by your Spirit. Thank you that this morning we have been reminded that within us, within these earthen vessels, lies the hope of all glory, lies the hope of this world and what this world is crying out for the presence and the blessing of God. Thank you, Father, that you have empowered and that you have called us to be your agents of change, your ambassadors within this world, to carry your presence wherever we go. Father, may we walk around with a sense not of arrogance, but a sense of assurance that wherever it is that you send us, you are sending us to be agents of blessing. May we be aware that wherever it is that we go and whatever it is that we do, that your presence is upon us, that you are with us, that we would be open to your leading, asking, Father, how can I manifest your blessing and your presence in this place? How can I manifest your peace in this situation? How can I show people the goodness, the glory, and the love of God and allow you to lead us every moment? 
Father, I want to thank you that every single one of us here this morning is called. Every single one of us here this morning is chosen by you to be light to this world, to be salt to this world. I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would make us ever more attentive to your voice in this coming week. May you bring to remembrance again and again the reality of your presence within. May you enable us to see you working in us. Would you help us, Heavenly Father, to align our hearts and our thinking with who you are and according to the truth of your word. And thank you, Father, that you are good. We give you thanks and praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to close with a song. There's a song that I've heard recently. It's a beautiful song. It says, God is always good. Amen? And no matter what we're in, no matter what situation we're in, no matter where we find ourselves, His goodness and His blessing are always evident. So, We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.